Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hi everyone, CJ here for another episode of Not The Farmer's Wife. I'm so glad that you're here with us today because we're going to talk about getting started with backyard chicken keeping. As some of you would know, I run a course on backyard chicken keeping for people who are in a urban environment and uh, the next course is running in June, so enrolments will open on the 10th of June and uh, close for enrolling on the 16th. And the course proper will start on the 17th of June and run for approximately six weeks, but it is self-paced. Um, so that while there are um, live chats to, to help you through making some decisions, uh, you can run through it quicker than that or slower than that, depending on your own personal circumstances. Uh, June's a perfect time to actually look at backyard chicken keeping and learn what you need to and start preparing. And the main reason for that is because you'll be heading into spring if you're in Australia. Um, if you're over in America, eh, you'd be heading into autumn, which is still not a bad time. Oh, who am I kidding? There's no bad time to get chickens. <laughs> I would get them year round. But depending on where you live and your weather conditions, uh, there's obviously some times that are a lot more suitable and a lot easier for starting your backyard chicken keeping um, uh, hobby. <laughs> hobby? <laughs> I don't know that it's a hobby. It ends up being more of a cult. But anyway, um, if you are interested in that backyard chicken keeping course, then go along to uh, mojohomestead.net and uh, you will see on there there's two different um, freebies that I give you if you want to join our waitlist. You can either choose from a PDF uh, document, which is very similar to what I'm going to discuss today, but it only has seven points and I'm going to discuss 10. Uh, or you can go and watch a webinar that I've pre-recorded uh, that talks about the best breed of backyard chicken for you. So it goes through all the things that you need to know in a bit more detail than what I'm going to discuss today. So you can pick from either of those freebies and jump on the wait list. And then if you're on the wait list, you'll also get my weekly newsletter, uh, the Mojo Homestead Happenings. And uh, you'll be on the wait list to be notified as soon as the course is open for enrolments. Anyway, on with today's. So what do you need to know to get started in backyard chicken keeping? Well, it could be an endless topic this one and one day I will write a book I know lots of people have written a book but I'd like to write a book too I'd like to write a book about chicken keeping because I like chicken keeping uh, I have got 10 points that I want to discuss today that I think people really need to uh, look at and consider before they go into it and I think it's important to really evaluate everything before you go and get chickens um, and the only reason I say that is because it is not for everybody. And if it's not for you, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. That's like saying um, I would be a cat owner. I, I'm not a fan of cats. I'm not good at looking after them. They're not my favorite animal. Uh, give me dogs. I could run a, a, a kennel. Uh, I love dogs that much. I would have them day in, day out without a problem. But chickens. Chickens are a little bit different because it's 
not everybody knows um, how to look after them. Not everybody knows about their care. Dogs and cats are definitely more up there on the domestic family pet line of things. And chickens at the end of the day are livestock. They're not just pets. I see mine as pets because they're very chatty and friendly and they get to know you. And certainly once you move into backyard chicken keeping, I'm sure you would agree that they do have their own little personalities. Um, but they're not your average pet. And so you can't just pop next door and say to somebody, listen, my dog's not, look, you know, my chicken's not looking real good. What do you think? You know, or ring the vet. A lot of vets don't have a lot to do with chicken keeping. So there's a lot of domestic urban vets that don't deal with chickens. So sometimes you have to hunt around to find somebody who has a good knowledge of them. That being said, I've actually not had to use the vet for my chickens, I think, ever other than maybe buying medication when parasites have got a little bit out of control. Um, but we'll discuss that in a little bit. So I'll go through these 10 and you see what you think about what would help you make your decision about backyard chicken keeping. So the first one I'm going to discuss is choosing the right breed. And as I mentioned at the start, I have a webinar on um, picking the right breed of chicken for your backyard, uh, which I'd encourage you to go along and watch. Um, it is pretty thorough. But the main things to consider when you are looking at having chickens in a backyard environment is what's going to suit that breed of chicken. And because the breeds have been um, modified over the years like all domestic animals we've um, changed the breeding style and the breeding patterns of animals so that they have particular traits uh, chickens are no different chickens have been bred to be bigger egg layers to lay more often um, to grow fatter for the meat birds um, and so each breed has its own very unique traits. And while they share a lot of traits, there will be ones that you will resonate with more when you go through the list of different breeds. So uh, birds like a Sussex, for example, um, won't go broody very often, whereas a Rhode Island Red may go broody a lot. Um, a Rhode Island Red might be a little bit aggressive, a little bit you know, protective over their yard. And you might need that if you've got... Um, you know, external pests coming in or other wild birds coming into the to the area, you might want a bird that's a little bit more aggressive towards other things. Um, whereas an Orpington, a buff Orpington, which are just gorgeous, I call them the henny pennies of the chicken world, um, they're very, very docile and they probably wouldn't kind of chase a wild bird away from their food. Um, so you really do need to go through and work out which bird is actually going to suit your family. Um, I have spoken a lot and I spoke about it in my webinar that if you are limited on space, if you are in a smaller urban backyard, uh, then definitely um, the silky bantams are a good choice. They don't lay huge eggs, they don't lay super often, um, but they are gorgeous birds and they require such little amount of space. I mean, I hate to say it and I can't imagine anybody doing it, but you could almost live in an apartment and have a silky bantam, you know, if you you know, kept everything clean enough. But the list is quite extensive for both Australia and uh, the US and the UK. There, There's so many different breeds and there'll be more um, information in your local area about different breeds. So, uh, and, we, and we discuss local communities later on, but definitely, um, you know, poke around, look on a good source for in Australia is Gumtree uh, for chickens. Um, or buying direct from a hatchery. 
Um, and some people like to buy direct from a hatchery so that they know that they're getting hens, that they know that they've been vaccinated, things like that. Uh, but where you buy your, your bird from isn't as important, I don't think, as how as what breed you decide on because it has to fit with your family. If you have small children, then you're going to want a docile bird because you want a bird that's going to tolerate kids perhaps going up and wanting to hug them. <laughs> and, and they will want to hug them, believe me. <laughs> um, so if, if in doubt, go watch the webinar. That's the best way of going through it. I've, it goes for about 45 minutes, I think, and, and uh, from memory, and I go through probably the 10 most common in most um, English-speaking countries. Uh, in, in other countries, there's vastly different birds, um, including a black breed that is 100% black. The, the meat's black, the, the feathers are black, the eyes are black, the cone's black, they lay black eggs, uh, and I believe they're Indonesian or... Asian birds but um, I have I've posted something actually on social media just recently about them so I'll have to go and have a look because I can't remember their names Aya Kaysen or Kami or something like that Um, yeah Asian bird very interesting to look at but yeah my the handy helper (laughs) wants me to try and source them and I'm like I don't think I can get them into the country I don't know anyway I'll see if I can find an Australian breeder because I think they would be awesome birds to keep so number two setting up your coop now i can't stress enough that it's really important if you are looking at getting backyard chickens that you have your coop sorted before you buy chickens (laughs) you need to have it set up you need to know how you're going to you know get water to the coop where you're going to feed them in the coop you know there's different kind of feeding systems you can use you need to know what kind of bedding you are going to put on the ground um, and and how you're going to manage waste that needs to be set up before you get chickens. Um, trying to set up a coop uh, when you have chickens in a cage next to you is, I think, on par with trying to set up a trampoline on Christmas Eve. Um, and I've done that. I've done it twice. So <laughs> suck off a punishment. Um, but I think the handy helper did say last time we did it uh, that he would never, ever do it again. <laughs> you don't want to be doing it last minute. You don't want to be rushed for time. You want to have plenty of time to set up your coop, get it in the right place in your backyard, work out the water and feeding systems, work out the waste systems and do all that before the chickens come home. <laughs> now, there's different kinds of coops that you can look at in an urban environment and they would be a fully enclosed coop where they are they have a roosting area and a nesting area that is completely enclosed uh, which is the best method even in a warm environment they they like that safety of being you know in in and protected Um, but with a fully enclosed coop the outside area of the coop is also fully enclosed now i really do like this in an urban environment predominantly because when you're not home you can, and we all have to work, let's face it, we can't be home 24-7. Some people are lucky and work from home. That's great for them. But you can't be watching them 24-7. And because of um, issues with predators, having a fully enclosed coop means that they can still be out of their house during the day and out of their roosting and nesting area. Uh, but the area that they go into is enclosed from wild birds, predators. They're safe. Nothing can get into them. That, that makes sense in a backyard if you have the space. Um, and, and it may be that you have to keep them enclosed because you've got veggie gardens that you don't want them getting into and things like that. You might need to have them 
in that fully enclosed area except when you're home and out in the backyard and then you can let them out for a for a peck around but having a fully enclosed one is very safe very good idea if you think there's an issue with predators partially enclosed is where they're coop and maybe a slight outdoor run is enclosed uh, but it may not have a roof on it so it might be open to um, wild birds being able to come in now having a coop that's open to wild birds does open up a little bit of an issue as far as um, parasites and introduce parasites and diseases from the wild birds and unfortunately in Australia wild birds do carry a lot of parasites with them so that's something to consider if you're in an area where and you know I love diversity. I we have magpies, rosellas, ducks, every kind of. Last night, Handy Helper and I were absolutely positive we heard an owl outside, and I was super excited and running around outside with a torch trying to find it in the rain. But we could definitely hear an owl, and I will be so excited to have an owl setting up nest somewhere on the property. I will love this because I love diversity. But if you are trying to keep your chickens free from parasites and pests and disease, um, you may not like having that kind of diversity coming into your chicken yard uh, and then the last model is the model that we use and and certainly anybody on one acre plus size blocks so you might be in an urban area still but on an acre or even half an acre having a, a pasture raised model is good we have a chicken tractor that we move around the paddock and electric fencing that goes around the outside of that chicken tractor now because we have um, so many birds we also have a Merrimer a livestock guardian dog who lives not in with the chickens she actually patrols the paddock around the outside of the electric fence because we have baby goats and they're in that paddock around the chickens so um, the Merrimer is um, based around the outside of the chickens if you're in a pasture raised model you do need to consider pest control we have had a fox problem here in the past and we lost I think in total 15 chickens which was devastating and it just kept happening and we just you know the Merrimer was close but she wasn't in there with them so then we made the move to actually move her entire run and set up into the the chicken and goat paddock and since then we have not had a single problem with foxes she is definitely doing her job and earning her money um, but they're the they're the different types so fully enclosed partially enclosed or a pasture raised model where you are out in the open and that that would probably only work um, really if you have a little bit more space than the average urban block does so the next one I want to talk about is proper nutrition for chickens and that's something that you need to consider before uh, getting chickens where you are going to buy your chicken feed so have a look in your local area see what stock feed um, suppliers you have locally um, some pet food shops now sell chicken pellets um, I know pet barn which is a local one for us, uh, sell chicken pellets. Uh, it is a little bit more expensive to buy from them than buying in the bigger bags. Now, if you are buying them in bigger bags, you also need to consider storage. Uh, and I am a little bit of a prepper, not a massive prepper, but I am a little bit of a prepper. So I, because we live so far out of town, I don't want to run out of sugar, flour, although I haven't been using those much lately, uh, sugar, flour, rice, um, things like that I keep you know in bulk um, because I do a lot of preserving as well I have um, a lot of salt so I actually have containers I've bought from Bunnings our local hardware store and they I think they were $30 but they are airtight and they are like 30 liter drums so they are perfect for stopping pests like mice and rats getting into your chicken feed 
Um, we haven't been using them at the moment, but that's because we have so many chickens around that I think the mice are, <laughs> the mice are not winning <laughs> with our chickens. Uh, because the other thing that you need to consider is that chickens are not vegetarians. People like to think that their chickens are vegetarians and they're just going to live on scraps. Chickens cannot live on scraps alone. Uh, chickens are omnivores and they very much need protein from all different sources. So bugs, worms, mice and insects are their main dietary um, in the in the wild, I'll say that, in the pasture-raised model, that's what they'll eat. And certainly in your backyard, if they see a mouse hopping, a mouse hopping through your backyard, um, be prepared because <laughs> the girls will fight over it. I've seen girls, um, when we've moved our water tubs, there's always field mice under them. And when we lift them up, the girls know now. They stand there waiting <laughs> for when we lift them to move them. And it's on for young and old. They're chasing the mice across the field. Whoever gets the mouse is running around with a fully grown mouse in their beak. And all the other chickens are chasing them because everybody wants a piece of the action. Uh, it's quite funny to watch. Um, if, if you are the kind of person who believes that chickens could be raised as vegetarians or vegans, um, I don't think we can be friends. <laughs> chickens are very much omnivores. They need meat. Uh, I always laugh when I see the chicken pellets and it says vegetarian chicken feed and I think yeah it doesn't matter because my chickens are not vegetarians and they go out of their way to get their protein themselves if if you don't give it to them uh, but certainly um, feeding them scraps is fine there is some things that it's not ideal to feed chickens um, that having been said there I've gone through phases where I have just cracked the shits and gone fuck it everything goes in the bucket I don't care um, and uh, I know a lot of people say avocado peel and avocado stones don't feed them to chickens. Uh, we eat a lot of avocados here, um, especially since I've started going towards that keto kind of diet. And uh, my daughter would live on avocados if she had a choice. And the chickens eat those scraps without too much problem. So mm, I don't quite know why people get so upset about the avocado thing. There's supposed to be some toxin in the outside skin that's not great for chickens. But like I say, I have gone through phases where the chickens have eaten uh, raw meat, cooked meat, um, bone scraps they've been given to peck the, the meat off the bones, avocados. Um, people say don't give them chocolate, <laughs> as if there'd be any chocolate gets thrown out in my house. Um, that wouldn't happen, so that's not an issue. Um, I think coffee, somebody was saying once coffee grounds, but I'll talk about coffee grounds later on because I've come up with a really good idea that I saw another lady do and I don't know her name anyway so nutrition make sure you've got it set make sure you know where you're going to get your feed from also make sure that you have a source of shell grit from the feed store so whichever whether you go through a pet store or a stock feed store uh, you can buy shell grit to give to your chickens if the food that you get doesn't come with it now, one thing I will say about food is a lot of people buy scratch mix for their chickens and scratch mix is the equivalent of lollies. Um, and, and that's great. It's nice for them to have a treat occasionally. Um, but scratch mix contains grains and corns. And um, as I'm learning about human nutrition at the moment, um, grains and corns are given to things that you want to fatten up. So if you want something to get fat and, and put on weight, you give it grains. Um, with chickens, you don't want them too fat. You don't want them waddling little porkers because their, their laying won't be as ideal. They need to be healthy. They don't want to be obese. But scratch feed, maybe on a Sunday, go out, 
throw some scratch on the ground, let them have their scratch and their dig and get their corn and their grain out of the ground. That would be lovely for them. But if you are if you have chickens in your backyard for the purposes of raising eggs, then you want to be feeding them a complete layer pellet. And the reason I say that is because the stores know what levels of carbs, proteins and fats chickens need to produce healthy eggs. If you buy a complete layer pellet, and you'll find different prices, different levels of protein. Um, I think mine's anywhere between, I try and aim for anywhere between 17% and 21% protein uh, because they really do need the protein to produce the eggs. Uh, but when you go to a stock feed store, ask them. Ask them what they think, what people are buying, is the which one is the most common and the most popular of all the layer pellets. And they'll tell you and you can trial them. Buy a bag of one one week and buy a bag of another one next week and see which one your girls seem to like more and see if it affects their egg laying, um, that kind of thing. You also want to make sure that they've always got enough of it. So you need a, a feeder that, maybe a treadle feeder. I, I We don't use a treadle feeder because we feed morning and night because we're up there checking them anyway. But um, a treadle feeder would stop wild birds getting in and it is something I am considering doing for our girls. Um, and... You want to make sure they've always got a food source. So you don't want that treadle feeder running out of food and getting empty. You want to make sure it's always got it. You don't have to top it up every day. If you've only got a couple of chickens, they're not going to go through a whole treadle feeder probably in a week. But you want to make sure that it's always got food in it. Now, same with water source. They always need a clean, constant water source. So you need to set that up as well. So the next one is managing waste. And oh boy, I found a lady who is the whiz kid on this. I could not believe it when I came across it. I'm so impressed. Um, I wish I'd seen these videos when I had urban chickens. Uh, because at the moment with my pasture raised model, we don't collect the manure. We instead move the chickens. So we leave the chickens on pasture. They drop the manure. They, they scratch around. They dig up the ground. And then we move the electric fencing to a different section of the paddock. So then they're dropping the manure in a different section of the paddock. So we never have to go and clean it out. We do clean out their chicken tractor and the chicken tractor comes in and goes into our compost pile. Um, and that chicken tractor, in the past we've always just put wood shavings down uh, to collect the manure, but we're trialing a few different things now. And this is where I came across this whiz-bang idea. So chickens... <laughs> If they're in, say, a fully enclosed model or a partially enclosed model in an urban environment, in the coop side of it, so the enclosed coop side of it, this lady is using uh, coffee grounds as the base for the inside of the coop. And she, outside of the coop, so in the outdoors where it gets wet and there's weather affecting it, she uses like a crushed gravel. Now, it's a very light crushed gravel, probably would be a little dusty at times, but what she does is she goes out there with a, a um, kitty litter scoop and she's got a kitty litter scoop attached to a long broom handle and a bucket. And she just literally scoops it into the bucket, scoops the chicken manure into the bucket and all the gravel falls out through the kitty litter scoop. So she's only picking up the poop and she does the same in the chicken coop with the coffee grounds where they've dropped their manure she just scoops it up with the kitty litter scoop shakes it the coffee grounds fall out some coffee grounds are stuck to the to the um manure but that i mean anybody that's had horses or you know dogs or cats <laughs> you know that kitty litter sticks to to bits 
but she puts all that out into her compost. Now, the crushed gravel doesn't impact the compost. The coffee grounds don't impact the compost. In fact, it's probably making the compost better. Um, and the chicken manure goes into a compost tub that she's got around the side of her chicken coop. And everything gets dropped in there and she just keeps topping it up. And then when she has vegetable scraps or uh, dry grass um, cuttings or anything like that, she plonks them in on top. It keeps the smell down because you've got your dry on top of your compost and composting is a whole different topic that we can discuss another day. But for those that don't know, you need to lay your compost with your wet compost and your dry compost. So she does that with her garden waste. And uh, at the end of a couple of months, she turns the whole lot over and she has beautifully broken down compost from chicken manure to put on the garden. Great idea. Now, remember, you can't, even though with the pasture raised model, we allow the chickens to deposit their manure for us straight onto the uh, fields. But if you're using it in gardens, just be mindful that um, chicken manure can burn certain plants uh, if it's very fresh manure. So that's why we compost it before we put it on the garden. But it's wonderful for gardens. Um, I have people asking me all the time if they can get chicken manure for gardens and I have to explain to them that under our pasture-raised model, we don't collect it. So it's very rare that I have enough to give to anybody else because I have it for my compost, uh, for my garden beds. Uh, but I don't have copious amounts like people think I would because I'm not collecting it all the time. I let the chickens deposit it for me, literally deposit it. Um, okay, so the next topic, number five, is ensuring good health. Now, um, vaccinations to me are a must, and that's because I have seen um, home-raised chickens, home-hatched chickens die from Merrick's disease, and I don't even know whether I pronounced that right, but Merrick's disease is a predominant disease in Australia that affects chickens, and it's a, it's not nice. They, they When they go, they just... it's. There's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do. And and anybody that has livestock knows how much you care about your livestock. You don't want them to suffer. You know, it's like somebody was trying to explain to me the other day that I shouldn't eat the animals that I'm raising. Uh, but I've seen animals get killed by dogs, wild dogs, uh, domestic dogs and foxes. And I would much rather my chickens be dispatched the way that we dispatch them, which is quick painless and they're usually asleep when it happens so um i don't ever want my animals to suffer so health to me vaccinations are vital parasite control is the next one because i've also lost chickens we had a mite problem when we first moved to the big farm uh, red mites which were just horrible they were the the whole um chicken coop was just it was like a plague of them so, and we lost even baby chickens to them because baby chicks can't fight it when they're draining that much blood out of them, the mites, because they bite. So, the best thing I can suggest is observe your girls daily. Watch them daily. You will begin to know if something's not right. But also to pick them up and have a look at their feathers. The mites in Australia, certainly, and I'm assuming uh, the UK and the US are no different, you can see the mites on them. So you know if they've got mites. You can look at the skin and the base of the feather and see the mite. Um, so it's, the main things is is to monitor, keep in con like daily contact with your birds, and that way you know if something's not right. If you've got adequate good feed and shell grit, clean water, a dry warm area to roost, and you're monitoring for parasites, you will alleviate 99% of any problems that you may have with health. 
The other problems that you have are problems that were going to happen anyway. I'm going to say that. It's, chickens do get sick. Uh, chickens do get egg bound, usually not until they're older. So if you've got young birds, you'd be fine. But they do have injuries. They do get sick. There are things outside of your control. If you have a vet that you trust locally or a you know if you're looking at getting chickens it's probably worth doing a ring around the local vets and saying do you have somebody there who has a knowledge of chickens because I'm getting chickens and I don't want to be left at you know four o'clock in the afternoon trying to find somebody who understands chickens because I've got a sick bird that being said I've dealt with all of the problems that we've had ourselves egg bound I've had one survive one not survive um that to me is a probably pretty good odds under the circumstances the problem is once they're egg bound once they tend to to have it happen again um, but I've also I've lost birds to parasites and parasites are the big one for us here in Australia they you know you need to worm your birds you need to monitor for external parasites in the course that I run the backyard chicken healing course we go through that in quite a bit of detail but I'm not a vet nurse and I'm not a vet and if you had a bird that you think is unwell and needs medical attention you need to speak to somebody who is a professional who can deal with that. Uh, number six, providing space and exercise. So uh, in my chicken breed webinar that I did, uh, we talk about a lot of birds that are confinement friendly. They, they don't mind being inside and being kept in and contained. But there are some birds who really like to free range. Um, my Arakans are a classic example of that even when I clip Agnes's wings she will fly out of the electric fence if she so chooses and go off and do her own thing for the day um, so if you have to keep them contained you will need to do things to help the bird's mental health as far as exercise and the ability to be a chicken and Joel Salatin says it really well when he talks about um, the pigginess of pigs. <laughs> well, the chickiness of chickens goes the same way. You really need to allow them time to get out, scratch in the soil, try and find their own little pests and protein bugs. Uh, and if you can't do that, you need to give them something to do inside their coop. Now, I've seen people do swings for coops, so like a, just a stick with a rope at either end of it and the chickens will get up and swing and they'll actually get up and stand on the swing and it gives them something to do they don't get bored um, another one if you live in a really hot climate that I've done with my birds is to freeze a can of corn um, into an ice block so just mix corn into water freeze it into a into a block in the freezer and then go out in the morning and dump the ice block in the middle of the coop and all day they will peck at that ice trying to get the corn out it gives them something to do uh, and they get a little treat when they get to the corn so it's like a reward system for them they love it another one that you can do is to get just cut a hole in through the middle of a cabbage a whole cabbage put a rope through it and hang it in a chook coop uh, they will peck at that cabbage all day and as it swings and moves and does things they've got a duck and weave and and it just breaks that boredom cycle for them. Um, some of our chickens <laughs> have got to a point where they uh, like looking at themselves. We had we had an old bird toy that we put in there and it had a mirror on it and the chickens would go off and have a little, you know, pervert themselves. I think the girls thought they were doing really well. Um, but yeah, so having an area where they can uh, free range is best 
And if you can't do that, then you need to provide some some source of entertainment, some source of toys for them so that they've got something to do during the day when, when you're not there. Uh, number seven, egg production and collection. Now, you need to collect eggs the daily. Um, we've had times here where we've got home very late at night and still we go up there and we collect all our eggs. Uh, we don't like leaving them in there overnight. You can leave them in there overnight, but my concern has always been that out of boredom, some hens will peck at the eggs and once they start doing that it's a very hard habit to break so it is better if you collect them now as far as storage of eggs <laughs> there's a debate there and i'm not health department qualified i am not able to give you advice on how you store your eggs all i can do is suggest you how i store mine and i've had arguments with people over this because some people are adamant that there's certain ways of doing it and I've always done it this way. My mum did it this way. That's how she taught me. So I just do it the same way. And honestly, nobody in my family has ever gotten sick or ill from eating eggs that we keep. So uh, as far as your normal um, storage requirements, they will always tell you to refrigerate them. I do not refrigerate my eggs. I never have. Um, I refuse to refrigerate them. Uh, to me, they are self-contained in the shell and because I refuse to wash my eggs, uh, prior to use anyway, uh, I will wash them if they're dirty. I will give them a wash right before I use them. But sitting in the tray in the cupboard, I do not wash them. They, if they've got chicken poop on them, they've got chicken poop on them. That's just the way it is. Uh, and I don't wash them because they, when the chickens lay the egg, they have a bloom. It's, that's what's called a bloom. It's like a layer, like a thin layer of membrane that goes around the outside of the shell. And that bloom protects the egg from going bad. It stops things going th passing through the eggshell. When you wash an egg, you wash the bloom off. When you wash the bloom off, you're making that egg far more susceptible to things getting in through the shell. So that's why I don't wash it. And because I don't wash the bloom off, I've never felt the need to refrigerate. And like I say, we've had eggs here. I think the longest I've had shelf life where they've been okay uh, is about five months, six months. And I have still used them and cracked them very gently into a cup <laughs> separately just in case they'd gone bad and they were fine. So we've done that. Uh, this year for the first time I'm going to try lime glassing um, some eggs. So that's where you use lime and water uh, to store eggs into a container and you can keep them. My understanding is up to two years in the lime glassing and you just Put the place the entire egg in shell and all and store 20 30 eggs so that when your chickens go through their molt season and they stop laying you still have fresh eggs so i'm going to try it this year for the first time ever and uh we'll do test runs at like three months six months 12 months see how we go see how the eggs are performing if they're still fresh and they still taste all right uh, but as I said, I can't give you advice on how you store your eggs. I can only tell you what I do and then the choice is yours. Um, winter care is the next one, number eight. So I live in an environment where we get frosts, solid frosts from um, probably about now, May, um, through until uh, August, September. We still have some in October even. Um, we do occasionally get snow, but we do not regularly get snow like they do over in the States um, and in the UK. So it's cold, but it's not 
snow and ice and you know all the animals need to be kept in a barn kind of stuff but you do need to work out what you're going to do when you get to the winter months if you're in an urban environment and it's warm that's fine just continue as normal if you get if you're in an urban environment and it's freezing in winter then you need to make sure that your chickens have somewhere where they can get out of the rain and out of the wind because the cold will affect them that being said i'm not a fan of people who do things like heaters in chicken runs uh, to me that's a fire hazard to start with um, certainly with my uh, brooder house for my chicks uh, we have a heat pad that's a, a proper heat pad so that we don't have a fire issue but there are people I know who insist on closing off chicken coops and things like that. Chicken coops need ventilation. They still need air passing through there for the chickens to be healthy. I mean, they they drop their manure in there. If you had it completely enclosed, it would the ammonia smell I think would kill them. But you don't need to do excessive stuff to keep chickens warm. They are livestock. They are you know they're quite capable of, of coping in weather conditions that you or I might not feel comfortable in if it's freezing and soaking wet that's different you need to give them a dry area to roost um, most chickens apart from say the silky bantams their feathers have a certain level of um, moisture protection to them but they're not going to cope if they're out with no cover in the pissing down rain like that that's not ideal for any animal except maybe my Merrimah who seems to think that that's normal uh, so so plan for that beforehand if you know that they're not going to have as much time outside but they do need somewhere to to be out from under the weather so they need something with a roof on it uh, number nine legal considerations now this is going to depend on where you live but I can pretty much say across the board in an urban environment you will not be allowed to keep roosters i can't think of anyone that i know that lives in an urban environment that is able to keep roosters um, it's the council whatever your local council or homeowners association is will have some kind of <laughs> clause in there saying that well you can keep backyard chickens you cannot keep roosters and that's because nobody wants a rooster crowing at four o'clock in the morning in an urban environment i don't know why i like the sound of it, it wakes me up in the morning i'm happy but I don't live in an urban environment anymore. When I did, I didn't keep roosters. Um, so most councils are happy for you to keep a small flock of chickens in your backyard. That having been said, you do need to check your requirements in your local area. Now, if by chance your local government says, no, we don't allow chicken keeping, I would argue that point. Um, I really think that we need to do a bit of pushback sometimes with the councils. They make decisions sometimes and they make them thinking they're making the best decision for us. But in actual fact, they may not be making the best decision for us. And I don't understand how any council could refuse you the ability to keep garden aerators, manure producers, egg producers and pets. <laughs> and some people do see their chickens as pets um, in your backyard um, just because they are deemed to be livestock. Uh, they're not. It's not like normal livestock. It's not like you're keeping a cow in your backyard. Not that I would have a problem with that if you had a big enough backyard, but I think we need to do a little bit of pushback on the council. So if your council says, no, we don't have scope for you keeping backyard chickens, I'd write to them and say, and, and why is that? What what reason is it? Is it because you some have some misconception about the smell or the manure issue? Um, are you worried about the noise? 
Um, certainly in my webinar, I discussed there's quite a few birds that are very quiet and very low key for certain backyard areas. If noise is an issue, if you're very close to your neighbours, push back on them, ask them why and try and get something out of them in writing. And then I would be proposing to them that they allow you to do it and go and speak to your neighbours. Go and speak to all your neighbours and say, look, I want to keep backyard chickens. The council's saying, no, do you have a problem with it? Um, it's sometimes, you know, would be softened by maybe the possibility that I will have fresh eggs and I'll probably have excess fresh eggs. And if you would like to get some fresh eggs from time to time, I'm more than happy to pass them on to you. Uh, that if you have a, a tricky neighbour, that's probably a good option. Now, the last one that I want to discuss before we finish today is joining a community. And I can't stress this enough for new chicken keepers. Uh, I was a new beekeeper four years ago. And joining a local community of other beekeepers helped me so much. There were so many questions I had that I just, they're just weird things like, oh, my bees are all, you know, at the front of the hive. What do I do? And without that community, I would have been staffed. Um, I am on a few chicken community pages on Facebook and uh, follow a few people on Instagram, things like that. And I love being able to give people a bit of advice um, as far as those, those weird questions like, oh, my chicken's losing all their feathers and I don't know why. And, oh, well, how old's your chicken? Are they going into a molt season? Are they just about to drop all their feathers and renew everything and start laying fresh again? Things like that that you worry about where it's not enough to warrant going to a vet and going and speaking to somebody medically about what's wrong with your chicken. But you might find that just posting on a group and saying, hey guys, this is what my chicken's doing. Should I be concerned? Uh, you will get so much support and so much advice. And yes, some of that advice may not be right, but you'll see, you'll get to know the people within that community who are giving good advice on a regular basis, who are, are experienced chicken keepers and rely on them, make friends with them, uh, because they certainly are the people that you want to go to when you have a question. So that's my 10 steps, I guess, for uh, getting started into backyard chicken keeping. Um, I hope you've enjoyed all that. Um, if you have, and you want more information, like I said, jump along to uh, www.mojohomestead.net. And for the PDF, it is backslash seven must knows at the end of that that's seven must knows and for the webinar i think i have i think it's chicken breed <laughs> or breeds i'll have to i'll post it in the show notes <laughs> where to go to get each of those um, different free resources if you would like some more information uh, and if you can think of anybody that you know that is interested in backyard chicken keeping pass along this uh, podcast to them and let them know that there's lots and lots of resources out there to help them to get them started on their journey. Uh, if you have any questions, as always, just shoot me a DM on socials. Um, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook on Mojo Homestead and also I'm on as Not The Farmer's Wife. Uh, and if you're interested in anything else, uh, Not The Farmer's Wife have a store up and running, which is a print-on-demand store which has some funny chicken t-shirts and farming t-shirts and hoodies and aprons and things like that. Uh, and that's at uh, www.notthefarmerswife.com. Uh, you can go to that site and there is a shop there where you can go and have a look. Uh, I'm trying to source most of it from Australia or from the US, but um, 
I do have to get some stuff from China, unfortunately. Oh, and the other thing I was going to mention uh, was if you are looking at um, any chicken coops or anything like that, um, I have found a gentleman online uh, whose webpage is um, MJ Inspired, and he has some amazing little chicken coops that would be perfect for urban backyards. And I'm talking to him at the moment, and we'll we'll try and sort something out where I can maybe get some samples and do some videos to show people what they look like and how they function. Um, but otherwise, I will talk to you all next week, and I hope you have a lovely week. And um, we'll be discussing a bit more about chickens next week. Anyway, thanks. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.